One of the difficulties in trying to, if you will, put together a Mother's Day sermon many times is that we tend to many times make it a point to not give Christ the glory that's due in many churches. We want to honor mothers, but we also want to make Christ known. One of the things that I don't think many of us know is Anna Reeves Jarvis, who's most uh, credited for founding Mother's Day, after her mother Anne died in May 9, 1905, she set up a special day to honor her and moms as a group. In 1914, President Woodrow Wilson signed a bill recognizing her idea as a national holiday to be celebrated each second Sunday in May. One of the things, ironically, that Anna Revis Jarvis, Jarvis was strongly opposed to was the commercialization of this day. In fact, she spent her life fighting this very thing. Here's what she said just a few years into when it became official. To have Mother's Day the burdensome, wasteful, expensive gift day that Christmas and other special days have become is not our pleasure, she said in 1920. If the American people are not willing to protect Mother's Day from the hordes of money schemers that would overwhelm it with their schemes, then we shall cease having a Mother's Day, and we know how. You see, any of us, when we read the Word of God, we read Scripture, we see that God places an importance in our lives to honor, to honor our mothers, honor our fathers. What tends to happen, though, is many times we elevate to the point of idolatry, and when that idol crumbles, we're all broken. The one thing that Scripture does tell us when it says to honor our father and mothers is that we specifically need to look at what God means by it rather than what we think honoring means. Ultimately, the one that gave us life, our mothers, is a picture of God in our lives. Before we go to the Word of God, I want to point out that most of the things that I mentioned this morning will be from a context of a mother who worships Christ, who honors God, and is a disciple of Jesus Christ. We honor our mothers regardless of where they stand with Christ, but the instruction of Scripture laid out by God himself is usually directly connected to those that follow him. Here are some principles laid out in Scripture that will be helpful to us as we seek to honor our mothers, the mothers who are valuable to us because God gave them to us. You're God's gift to us, mothers, and we're your gift, God's gift to you. And we're both made in the image of God. As George Washington said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever met, or I saw, all I am I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. So we'll be looking at two specific categories regarding our mothers from the Word of God. Number one, the difficulties endured. And number two, the faith passed down. Let's start off with number one, the difficulties endured. Here's one that I think every mother's familiar with. Bringing us into this world. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. This is a text many of you are familiar with in regards to Hannah and her pleading to, with God for, for a son, for a child, after many years of infertility. Verse 19, here's what it says. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. 
So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked for him from the Lord. You see, we see a woman who could not have children begging and pleading with God to have at least one. We see God answering this prayer by giving her a son named Samuel, whose name means God has heard. What is many times not appreciated by many of us in the pain of our mothers and what they went through is how this is a difficult season for any woman, particularly mothers. Many mothers have gone through miscarriages. They've gone through tremendous pain emotionally, many times even spiritually agonizing whether God has heard them or not. And I just want to be an encouragement. God does care and He does love you. He does know about your pain. He knows the broken heart that only you know that others may not see. God the Father loves us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And His mother Mary went through quite an experience seeing what He went through and, and finishing in His death on the cross. That suffering, I can only imagine what a mother would go through watching that. Giving birth is an unbelievable pain, but all the emotions surrounding birth and anguish many times is missed by many of us. This is not the only difficulty, though, that mothers have endured in bringing us into this world. It continues, because it doesn't end there, right? They've just brought us into the world. They don't stop there. They do that by taking care of the home. In Proverbs 31, which is where we're going to park here for a little bit, verses 26 through 31, Look at what it says. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Mothers take care of the home in the following ways, as this text spells out for us. They speak words of wisdom to us. How many of you remember when you were growing up, your mother giving you certain instructions that you didn't want to hear? Don't touch the stove is a famous one. Many of us remember when we were growing up that mom would warn us that if we did this, it wasn't going to go well. And many of us still did it anyways, right? Only for mom to have to bandage us up after we did what she said not to. The truth is those, those words of wisdom, particularly from a godly woman, will be a sharing of scripture to many of us. You see, mothers many times behind the scenes are caring for their children in ways that many others don't, do not. Mothers take on the burdens of their children, and when the wise words that they pass on to their children are not heard, mothers especially are broken over that. They instruct with kindness. That's what this text says. They instruct with kindness. If you know the difference between men and women, especially when it comes to a household, typically the man kind of wants to be rough and tumble. Let's do this. Let's get it done. 
and sometimes they're very direct and miss the emotional aspect of raising their boys or girls. But a mother, she instructs with kindness. She comforts her children. She gives them, if you will, the firm but gentle approach. They also take care by paying attention to what's going on in the home. You see, a mother that's godly, that loves God, is not going to be idle. They're not going to sit around wasting their time on things that don't matter. A mother that loves the Lord with all her heart is always looking out for the interests of her family, how she can do better as a mother, how the family can continually improve, how they as a family can serve God together. She pays attention to what's going on. There's one thing I think fathers miss that mothers pick up are those little things in the home that go off track. I know that in the process of raising our boys, my wife will point out certain things to me that I'm not paying attention to at times. And I tend to think that I've got a pretty good handle on things. And then my wife will bring something up and say, have you noticed this going on? And I have to, many times, you know how men are. We push back, what are you talking about? Everything's fine. And then you have to come back and realize that sometimes there's, there's something that a mother sees that a father doesn't at times. There are things that she pays attention to that we don't. And that's what's important here in this text is that they are praised by both the husband and the children. Everyone notices the value that they bring. We ought to always honor our mothers, regardless of whether they always do a great job. Because at the end of the day, we have a gift given to us by God himself in our mothers. You see, this is the part of providence that many don't pay attention to. If it wasn't for your mother, you don't exist, son. <laughs> Daughter. God gave you a mother to be here on this earth and to now have an example as well. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But they're to be praised by both the husband and the children. That's what this text in Proverbs 31 clearly spells out, that she shall be praised. Fathers, let me just pause for a moment. And husbands, let me, let me make this statement because I think it's so important. Your children are going to value your wife a lot dependent on how you value your wife. Their mother will be valued by, by them to the degree that you show honor and value to your wife. That's why this is so important for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Those are working in harmony. And that's one of the reasons why a great mother will be a great wife. Those are not separated. Those are inseparable in Scripture. In fact, one of the problems that many do not pay attention to, at least when you look at even in that text that we were dealing with with Hannah earlier, if you look in the chapter, that broken heart that she has, the husband doesn't understand. And many times that's the case. We don't understand what a person is going through. And yet a wife, she should be praised, a mother should be praised for the things that she's done in taking care of the home. In practical ways, men, what we can do is we can praise that excellent meal that she makes, that she labored for two hours on, and we didn't even pay attention to. The fact that she got lunch ready every single day, 
when your idea was a Lunchable that you quickly bought at Stop and Shop. True story, that happens in my house. The reality is mothers are a gift to us from God. And one of the things that we see in this text is they strive to be the best mom. It's not just a slogan to them. In fact, what does the text say? You excel them all, right? She wants to be the best. She is the best. She pushes because God is worthy of that. And she understands in verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. They understand that what's on the inside is what counts. How many of us know that our mothers sometimes would not maybe be all ready to go because they got the kids ready that day? How many of us have seen that in our homes? As we're rushing to go to church, guess who's ready last? Mom. Because she's paid attention to the children, made sure that they were all set. I think we take too little understanding sometimes from those things that our mothers did for us. What does Scripture say here at the end of Proverbs 31? It says to reward her for her care for the home. And let me encourage you, this is by way of application, to praise your mother publicly. Not just on Facebook. To people that you meet. People that you talk to. She's worthy to be praised. If only we did that more often with our mothers while they were still alive. One of the devastating tragedies for many of us is that we regret what we have when it's gone. So for those of us that have our mothers still living today, let's honor them. Let's praise them publicly. Let's give them the honor that they're due because of what God has given us. A mother who is truly to be honored is ultimately a mother who passes on her faith to her children. There's nothing greater than, as mentioned in Proverbs 31, as a woman who fears the Lord. That's why I said this is the ultimate. A disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, is the ultimate mother before God. So number two, the other category we're going to look at is the faith passed down. Faith passed down. John Wesley once said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than from all the theologians in England. That's a strong statement. That's a strong statement. So what are the ways that this faith is passed down? Well, first of all, it's the spiritual disciplines. If we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1, we see that Hannah went through all these difficulties, but there are certain things that she passed down to her son Samuel. In verses 26 through 28, listen to what it says. And she said, O oh my Lord, this is to Eli, the, the priest, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood, who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed... And the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. 
As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord there. You see, we, we see Hannah was a woman who continually prayed for a child, even though it seemed hopeless at times. And she had tried for quite some time to have a son to no avail. The discipline of prayer is important and a mark of a godly mother. One thing we learn from the life of Hannah is that she didn't have all the answers to her questions answered by everyone else. In fact, those around her could not satisfy her longing heart. No man of God or even a husband can help her in her deepest hour of need. This is such an important truth that's missed by many today. There are so many mothers that are looking for anything to stop the heartache that they're going through. Whether it's infertility, losing a child, seeing a child walk away from God, to everyday anxiety of just raising children. There's only one true source that we can go to, just as Hannah did. That's to God himself. A godly mother knows that there's only God himself that will understand her pain. Truly, completely. There'll be times a husband, and I hate to break it to you all, there'll be times where a husband does not understand. In fact, with her desiring a child, if you look at the chapter, her husband literally responds with what men respond with all the time. Am I not enough? That's the devastation that many times comes when we put our trust in man rather than God. Which is why it's important, men, for us to take our cue from the Word of God and learn from these mistakes that some of these men make. There'll be times where a husband will not understand. There'll be times when others in the church will not understand what you're going through because they've never experienced what you have. Never. Even other mothers will not be able to understand what you're going through. In fact, when you look at Hannah's situation, the others around her did not understand, including a woman that had children. A godly mother knows to cry out to God because he will hear and comfort us as no one else can. A godly mother knows that God may bless others in ways that they are not currently blessed. So they bring that heart of desperation before him. There are so many things that regret and regrets that many of us have. But I believe a mother dwells on regrets probably more frequently than others. It's a humble response to those anxieties and fears that a mother has for her children that God listens to and pays attention to. He hears her. Hannah not only declares her longing prayer before God, but she also exemplifies worship, just as Eunice did with Timothy. Setting the example is another way that the faith is passed down. In 2 Timothy verses, chapter 1, verses 3-5, through 5, we have an example spelled out of Timothy's mother, Timothy is Paul's son in the faith, 
who Paul took the time to discipline to being an elder in the church. But Paul makes a statement here about his mother and her being the example to him. Look at what it says. 2 Timothy 1, 3-5. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. You see, Paul here is expressing a sincere recollection of Timothy as a younger man, and he personally saw that his mother had raised him up in her faith. He looks beyond Timothy to the mother and grandmother that raised him, and particularly the faith that she passed down to him. The example that they left him was an example of faith. You see, there are many things that mothers want for their children, and most of those things are good things. Things like safety, right? Mothers are very concerned that their children are always safe, to the point of probably putting children in bubble wrap if they could all day. They don't want Junior to get hurt. They want to know their children are safe from any harm that may come their way. What about concerns of health, right? Mothers are very concerned for the health of their children, which is one of the reasons why the smallest sniffle will get a mother's attention. What's going on? Let me get you something from the medicine cabinet. They want to know that their children, even as adults, don't come down with a serious illness. A cough or a cold to them turns into a serious illness, potentially, because they care so much about the health of their children. That's their love and concern for their child. Mothers are concerned for the education of their children. Mothers want to make sure that their children do the best that they can, and many times are hurt deeply when their children don't follow through on what they've taught them. Or when they don't do some skill or task as they would have expected. See, mothers particularly get concerned with their children and their finances. They want to make sure that their children are taken care of to the point of neglecting some of the things that they could have for their children to have more. In fact, when their children get older to adulthood, mothers are still concerned that they're doing fine financially. The ultimate, though, that all godly mothers should be concerned about is their children's faith in Christ. You see, no mother can be there in every moment. And I hate to break it to you, moms. You can't watch Junior every day, every moment of every day. There will be moments they're not in your view. And you know that, that sound in the other room, that you come darting to make sure everything's okay. You can't make sure your children are always healthy. You can't guarantee that they'll, ever, they'll excel at everything they've been taught to do or even whether your children will ever go through financial difficulty. That's not guaranteed. God knows all these things, and he's the only one that can help us in all these areas. 
When difficulty arises in your children's lives, they many times will look at you mothers as an example in how you responded. How did mom respond to the dangers she faced in her life? How did mom respond when she got that report of the terminal illness? How did mom respond when she didn't know what to do in that situation? And I saw her break down in tears. How did mom respond when they were struggling financially as a family and it seemed like it was a never-ending battle? You see, in all these areas, children need an example of a godly mother who takes all these concerns to God and shows her children what it means to be a disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. If your children have Christ, mothers, that's all they need. Those other things will be taken care of by God the Father. If that is the priority, then that is what we ought to focus on. You see, if they don't have all these other things, but they have Christ, they have everything they ever need. They might not have everything they want, but they'll have everything they need. And here's the thing, mothers, if they have everything else but they don't have Christ, the anxiety in all these other areas will always go up. We have to have the priorities in the right order. So in conclusion, how do we respond? Believe it or not, this conclusion is probably the longest one I've ever written. Because I believe in any case, Scripture speaks to all of us. Our answers will be different depending on whether we have a good relationship with our mother or not. Whether we ourselves are mothers, whether our children are grown or still growing in our home. If you're a mother or anyone else that's hearing this, whether it's online or here in person, and you do not know Christ, can I encourage you to start there and get it right before God? All these things that I've mentioned are in a sense going to be possibly a waste if you don't have Christ. You're going to be anxious, you're going to be stirred up by all the things that are going on, and you're going to constantly wonder whether or not what you're doing is enough. And the only one that has it all figured out, the only one that will always have it figured out is God himself. Which is why we have to start by being a follower of Christ. You need to believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead on your behalf. That he's paid your penalty for sin. The salvation that we talk about when we talk about being saved is salvation from the penalty of sin, which is separation from God's great attributes in heaven. If you're a son or daughter of a mother who's not a follower of Christ, Scripture tells us clearly that we are to show honor to our mothers. And you and I do that by being grateful for the gift of life, thanking them for their care for you as you were growing up. And help them should they need anything as they grow older. If your mother was and is a woman of faith, you should thank her for all these things that were just mentioned. But even more crucial and one of the best ways to honor your mother is to be a follower of Jesus yourself. To pursue Christ passionately. To live worthy of the example she left behind for you. Know that if you're far from God, your mother has more than likely been praying for you for quite some time. 
And she wants you to honor him, ultimately. One of the most heartbreaking things for a mother is a child who has been raised up in the Christian home, has known the ways of God, and they reject all of that. All the things that she's tried to instill in them, including their faith in Christ. Maybe instead of the flowers, if you're watching this online, you come clean and repent of the outright rejection of the truth that she poured into your life over these years. As Proverbs 23 22 and 25 spells it out. Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. In verse 25, let your mother, father and your mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. If you're an older mother whose children are grown up and out of the house, don't stop praying for them. Don't stop praying for your children whether they know God or they don't. Invest in the lives of your grandchildren. Do something that Scripture tells us is important, but rarely practiced today. Help younger mothers by training them as well. You can help them even in the mistakes that you've made. And God knows that you are not perfect. None of us are. But there's a lot that you can teach others. In fact, Titus 2, 3 through 5, and this is the New Living Translation, says this, Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older men must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. God's put you through the path that you've been on, mother, so that you can also still keep investing. All is not lost. Keep praying. And as I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I think tragically happens with older mothers is when their children are walking faithfully with God, the concern in a family situation is on the one that's not. So the prayers get raised for them and not for those that are walking faithfully. Continue praying for both mothers whether that child is walking with God or not. Because what, ha what happens is many times the black sheep of the family is the one that everyone's concerned with. And we all need to take heed because we can all fall. And that's why it's important to pray for all your children. Don't only emphasize one over the other. Do not show partiality, as Scripture says. Now, if you're a young godly mother, there's probably so much on your mind right now. You probably are overwhelmed quite easily with raising your children. There's a great hope for you. You don't have to do this alone. There are women that God has given the opportunity to invest in your life here in this local church. Mothers that have been there, done that. This is one of the most important areas that's missed in the church, is the help of those that are older to those that are younger. I want this culture to be so prevalent in our church that we have this kind of a connection between the older generation and the younger generation. That the older generation can teach the younger generation the ways of God, and particularly the mistakes and, and bruises that they've gone through, that the younger generation can avoid. So my encouragement to you, younger mothers, is to seek a godly example in this church and ask them out for a coffee. Try to know them. Get to know them better. 
and learn from them. Everyone has a responsibility before God to honor our mothers, whether they're a woman of faith or not. The way we show that may differ at different stages of our life. If you have a God-fearing mother, thank her for the greatest blessing, which is knowing Christ. When you honor Christ in the way that you live, you will in turn honor your mother best. Let's pray.